We're going to play a little music in studio. It's the Thursday edition of the Kilcoin Conversation. We've got a band coming in, Jig Jam, like an Irish jig that likes to jam. That's the name of the band. They've been at McGurk's playing for a long time. Had a chance a year ago to go to the Grand Ole Opry. Now they're about to go out on the road in the U.S. And I wanted to get their backstory. I met the band through my niece and got to know some of these guys. They're from Tullymore, which we've heard of because of Tullymore Do. I'm sure they get tired of that. You know, we go overseas anywhere. Hey, where are you from? St. Louis. If they've even heard of St. Louis. Oh, you've got that arch thing. What do you have, Budweiser? But we'll get their take on living in St. Louis, pursuing that musical dream. And the final show before they hit the road is going to be this Saturday at McGurk. So Jig Jam in studio. We're about a month away from St. Patrick's Day, so a chance to kind of get into that vibe. Their website says something about it's Irish traditional with – bluegrass and some badassery mixed in so that that's the setup to uh, segment one our guest and then later coach z rich Savosic, part of our valley coverage every year he calls a number of the games on tv and then he joins us on the radio coverage on ktrs we're going to talk some missouri valley but also the college scene because coach Zavosic was a coach himself including about a six seven year run at umkc he's written a book about his coaching exploits because it's not all private jets and Armani suits. Okay. It's not all Rick Patino. And that's what the book he wrote is about. So we'll get into college basketball with Coach Z, have a little fun, play a little music, and hear the backstory of the band Jig Jam. As far as the sports calendar, we've got the Blues playing final game of the four game homestand, taking on the Islanders, the debut for Zach Bolduke, who was a first round pick in twenty twenty one. Sort of interesting here because Doug Armstrong has called it a transition year, and I just wonder now, getting these guys maybe starting to weave in some of that youth, if they're speeding up the game plan just a little bit, and Bolduke gets, I think, a friendly place to line up. He's going to play with Shen and Neighbors. That's kind of a nice landing spot if you're new into the lineup. So he makes his debut against Patrick Waugh and the New York Islanders. How about that? City SC will play on Saturday. That's the true home opener. We've been breaking that down enough. This one is actually an MLS match. It's against Real Salt Lake. They might be a little bit wiped out. They just played in Miami. Just lost to Lionel Messi on Wednesday night. Salt Lake comes in, losing their opener uh, in the MLS. And then the news of the night, not just the Illinois bad loss at Penn State. They're up by 10 with two and a half to go. They're up by seven with 35 seconds left and still lost that game. Penn State, for whatever reason, put it into the, uh, the rec hall which is their old-school gym. It was pretty cool, good visual, but it only holds like 5,000 people, so that was, a, that was a true pit for Illinois. But the main headline, end of the night, sitting around the office, one of our news producers walks in and says, did you hear Albert Pujols is going to manage? And I said, what? You mean Molina? He said, no, no. He said, Albert Pujols is going to manage. It's on ESPN.com. So I looked at the story. I think it's Alden Gonzalez who does a lot of reporting out of L.A., Maybe some TV as well. Might know Albert, but said he's going to manage a team next winter. This is a little bit down the road. Winter ball in the Dominican for a team from Santo Domingo, which is his hometown where he grew up before his family moved to the U.S., I think when he was his teen years. Also, I didn't realize, looking at the Wikipedia, I don't know how I missed this all these years. Albert was an only child. I didn't know that. And then I started thinking, yeah, I've never really heard about a brother, sister, any of that. So nonetheless, Santo Domingo is where he'll manage. I think his wife 
is from the Dominican Republic, so it makes a lot of sense. I was like, okay, great. That's a note. We'll probably put a little clip on TV. But then I'm reading down in the story, and it says, Albert would like to be a big league manager, so this is a first step. I've never heard that. We know all about Yadier Molina wanting to manage at a major league level, cutting his teeth in Puerto Rico, coaching and managing as many teams as he can. That's been his M.O. even during his playing days. That's not a surprise. The fact that Molina wanted to be an everyday coach this year was a mild surprise to some, but not for those who've been paying attention. Has anyone ever heard Pujols wants to be a manager? Then I quickly looked up, how much did this guy make? He made over $341 million. And I'm like, go buy an island. Oh, my gosh. But I guess he loves the game that much. And now it's really intriguing because, you know, Ali Marmol is sort of a sitting duck manager. He's coming off a last place season. His contract's up. I'm not saying they're going to go to Molina or Pujols next year, but you can't rule it out. If you have a really blah year, the Cardinals might say, what can we do? What can we do? How do we jazz this thing up? Oh, hire Albert. Or maybe maybe they work together. One's the bench coach. One's the manager. Neither one wants to talk to the media, but they're both on the in the dugout. Anyway, I just thought that was fascinating. I've never heard that. Reached out to somebody that knows Albert. Said, yeah, he's really excited about this. I thought it was just sort of a token thing. Sure, I'll do it one winter. Why not? I'm in the Dominican anyway. Hey, it's my old hometown. Why not? But it's bigger than that, and I really did not see that coming. So, Brendan Weiss and I will discuss that a little bit later in the show. College basketball with Coach Z. A little Irish music and the story of their trip to St. Louis from Jig Jam. That's all coming up here on the Kilcoin Conversation. Got live music today. Welcome them in. It's the guys from Jig Jam. You may have heard them down at McGurk's. They are straight from Ireland to our studios here at Westport. Okay, a little stopover in Soulard, but nonetheless, we have Jamie, we have Dahi, we have Gavin Hall in studio here. And we're about a month away, maybe St. Patrick's Day. Get you kind of in that Irish mode here. So welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. And Jamie's closest to the mic. I'll start with him. Uh, tell How did the band, how did Jig Jam end up? At McGurk's, end up a, how about a bunch of guys from Ireland ended up in St. Louis? Uh, so the first year that we kind of started touring the states, we were we had a couple of festivals booked around the Midwest, and we were looking for other places that we could play because it was our first year. We didn't really know many places over here, and a friend of ours that had played in McGurk's for years recommended reaching out to them. So I think the first year we did was just a week, and. I suppose we realised the magic of the place and how well they look after you and everything. We enjoyed it so much that we kept coming back and it was always put in our calendars. And it actually ended up being the first place we came back after the pandemic to to get back on the road and get back playing live music. So that was was a great uh, a great way to get back into playing after COVID. And plus it also 
was the start of us moving to the States kind of full-time as well. So you make the move. Dahi, tell me about from Tullamore to St. Louis. Like, Do you tell your family, hey, we're going to make it big in music. i got a band here, and we're going to hit the road. How do you break that news to your family? Do they tell you you're crazy? Uh, yes. Uh, and uh, Yes to all of the above, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I, yeah, I think they're familiar with how crazy we are doing this for the last few years now at this stage. But, uh, yeah, it just kind of happened naturally that we kind of got based here in St. Louis from, like Jamie said, playing in McGurk's for a good few years and just becoming part of the great community here as well and enjoying all the the other uh, bands and musicians around Soulard as well. So it kind of happened naturally enough and it's like our home way from home here. What did you know St. about Louis. St. Louis? Did you, I mean, growing up in Ireland, do you, do you guys even hear, but be honest, you never heard of us, right? Uh, didn't know too much now, really. <laughs> Not really. No. The, like maybe the sports teams, you would like, <clears throat> would have heard of the St. Louis Rams at the time. And the Cardinals, not that I was a big, avid American sports fan at the time, but that would be just true stuff like that. Maybe and the Arch? Maybe. The Arch, yeah. no, I, I'd say Budweiser. I, didn't, I Budweiser, probably didn't know about go. the Arch until, yeah, until we <laughs> came. Yeah. Nelly, yeah. there we yeah. go. Yeah. Gavin's yeah. is Nelly. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that's a good uh, launching point. What about musical influences? Now, we're probably Americans say, oh, they all listen to Van Morrison and U2, but how about for you guys growing up? Um, well, we were kind of predominantly... Grew up playing Irish traditional music, uh, which is kind of our bread and butter as such. So we would listen to a lot of the old Irish traditional greats, uh, but we would have listened to the more mainstream stuff as well. Like, I know personally, I grew up listening to a lot of Bruce Springsteen and the Eagles and stuff like that because my dad was listening to that stuff. Uh, it was only recently, in the last few years, we started getting really into the bluegrass thing. Uh, but I'd say now across the board for the band we have a wide scope of uh, genres and things that we would be interested in but the Irish traditional was kind of the that was the base at the very start. So when I first met Dahi I said oh Tullamore, uh, Tullamore do which do you get that yeah. from everybody the first time they hear Tullamore? Yeah especially playing in some bars around and stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah at the bars especially. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly uh, we have a, a song uh, all about Tullamore do as well our homegrown whiskey and uh, a bit to our detriment because people want to buy us Tullamore Jew all the time then. <laughs> That's a bad thing? It can be a good thing or a bad thing. Good thing, Depends depending on, on the It's a love-hate relationship, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was life like in Tullamore? Give us an idea. Many folks have been to Ireland, but now Tullamore is kind of on the way from Dublin to Galway, correct? Kind of across yeah. the country. Yeah, it's one of those little towns you pass through on the way there, probably. Uh, we're all, uh, me and Jamie are just a bit outside Tullamore, kind of little villages. So there's not too much happening around there. Do you, do you find the Americans have a genuine, even if they're not Irish, just kind of a genuine intrigue or interest in Ireland? They want Definitely. to talk about it. Or, oh, hey, I was yeah. there one time. I went to Kinsale. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got it all the time. Like for a little small country, it, uh, it holds a lot of weight around the country, uh, around, around the world, sorry. Um, the Irish passport seems to have a lot of strength. I think there's so many people, especially in the United States, that you have people with so many different heritages and roots and pasts and the thing that we see over here as opposed to any other country is people are very interested in where their family actually came from and what the you know going going back to years to see what percent is from which country in another country that's not something we would experience anywhere else in the world but in the United States I suppose there's so many Irish that would have emigrated years ago that a huge cohort of people over here do have Irish roots of some degree. 
and I think people are very interested in figuring out what part of Ireland their family came from and what was the name of the town and you know when they go over to Ireland then they get to visit these places and it's great for us because you know it, we take it for granted being Irish and all these people are so interested in our little country and our culture and music so you know it keeps us it keeps us making a living off it really. yeah. <laughs> well I, I love it the two times I've been there the last name Kilcoin it looks simple to me but in the U.S., it's kill corn, it's kill cane, it's kill born. It get nobody gets it right. You go over to Ireland, hand them a credit card, they're like, "Oh, kill corn, are you from County Mayo?" And I'm like, "Excuse me," and I'm like, "Actually, my relatives are from County Mayo." And over, it, I said, "It must be like Smith over here." I had no idea. Uh, we've got Gavin here as well. The boy is from Jig Jam. Pull up uh, the chair there. Is Gavin is he allowed to speak, Gavin? Oh, sometimes. sometimes just to perform. Now, now Gavin's the outsider because he's not from Tullamore, right? Where are you from, Gavin? Uh, a place called Drangan in South Tipperary. Okay, where is and where is that lo- what's that in location to uh, hey, it's Tullamore? Like a, it's about an hour and thirty minutes south of Tullamore. On the way to Kilkenny, maybe? Yeah, like where I'm from, I'm about thirty minutes to Kilkenny, so we we'd be like a border county with Kilkenny. Okay. So quite close, yeah. Well, we have the guys here before they leave town. This is terrible. We're just getting to know you. And now I'm told this is the last McGurk's gig for a while for you guys this Saturday, Friday, Saturday. Or what nights do you typically play? Just Friday, Saturday, or all week? Tuesday to Saturday. Tuesday through Saturday. Yeah. Okay. And why is this the last gig? Because? Yeah, we're going on the road then. Yeah. Uh, We have a new album and a, a busy tour scheduled for the month of March. And uh, it's time to pack up the van and hit the road. We have a, a lot of gigs in the Midwest and the East Coast. We work our way back, and our final gig of the tour is actually in St. Louis, in Off-Broadway, which is uh, the first time we've played outside McGurk's in St. Louis, so we're looking forward to that. And that'll be when? So that's the uh, end of the tour? Yeah, so that's March 29th. Uh, we have support from a great singer called Maddie Shell. She's excellent. Uh, she'll be playing with her... Her friend Jacob Baxter, who's a, f- a buddy of ours, he's a guitar player. And uh, yeah, Off-Broadway is a, a great venue that we like to hang out with ourselves, so tickets are on sale for that as well. And that's March 29th. March 29th. So you'll hit the road for a while, and we'll see yep. you coming back through. So we'll be at our, uh, you'll, you'll see us at the end of a tour, hopefully still standing. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dahi, last year, was it the Grand Ole Opry you guys got to play? Talk about that. I mean, that just, even as kids in Ireland, you probably heard of the Grand Ole Opry. Yeah, I was watching videos of that growing up and stuff, and yeah, it was a dream come true. We did it last year on Paddy's Day, St. Patrick's Day, so yeah, it was a dream come true. It was an amazing experience. How does uh, that happen? How do you guys get invited there? I have no idea. I don't know why they let us <laughs> <No>. in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you get a call from somebody, a manager, a publicist? Somebody says, hey, they want you to come? They saw some uh, Dahi's modeling shoots and they thought that they needed to. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have a face for radio. Yeah. Uh, it happened. The fact that it was around the pa- St. Patrick's Day was definitely a, a big thing. They were trying to encourage, you know, an Irish aspect to the show that particular week. They still did their Grand Ole Opry show as as normal, which is maybe six to seven acts. They'll have a couple of Opry members and a couple of newcomers. And uh, us being Irish definitely helped because it was that week. It was uh, also going alongside, there was uh, an Irish folk fest going on in Nashville that particular week as well. So it all lined up quite well for us. And the particular night that was in it was quite special because we got to share the bill with the likes of Steve Earle, um, you know, Trisha Yearwood and Garth Brooks ended up being special guests on the night. We got to meet all those people and 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 hang out with them, which was a, 
a very cool experience. Uh, it was very surreal sort of a thing. We were still nearly pinching ourselves now, thinking about the night that was in it. So, yeah, it was a huge experience, and hopefully we might get back there someday. I've heard Garth Brooks. We've had some friends of ours on the show that are hockey players that are buddies with him. He, they always say he's pretty down to earth. Yeah, he is very, yeah, yeah very much so. Um, yeah, he was very nice. He had, he had a bit of time for everybody, you know. He was he another man that has a a, a love for Ireland as well. He <laughs> always does his his Irish stint. He, the Irish people go absolutely wild for Garth Brooks. Is he, he big over there? He's massive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'd he? say he's the biggest country star oh, okay. in Ireland. Yeah, he just he sells out seven eight nights in a row in stadiums. Like he's just. People lose their mind altogether. Wow! All you yeah. gotta do is then you just gotta post the picture of you guys hanging with Garth Brooks, and then show everybody back home. Uh, Gavin, why did you describe the music, the style? Because when we say Irish music, does that mean folk? And like we know it when we hear it, but how would you describe the style here? Um, as Jamie was saying, like we grew up playing like Irish Irish music, like traditional traditional right? Irish music, like tunes, and then we discovered bluegrass music as we got older, and then. When we started, we enjoyed playing both of them, and we discovered that there was a big crossover between bluegrass and Irish music and you know, Americana music. And then the more we delved into it, we realized that the Irish immigrants helped to influence the development of bluegrass. So now what we're doing is we're trying to fuse you know, traditional Irish tunes that we would have learned growing up with bluegrass tunes and also then writing music to reflect that as well. So, um, yeah, it's just something we just kind of really enjoy. And it kind of makes sense to us. Jigjam.ie, I believe, is the website. So how about the name itself? Where did that come from? Um, that, so my sister came up with the name. She was originally the fiddle player in the band back in the day. Uh, it, the name probably didn't mean much at the start. It was probably a little bit random. It's only in the last few years the name has actually started to make sense because it describes what we do now. Uh, Jig is an Irish dance tune. And then jam, I suppose, represents the that uh, jam band aspect. So if you're looking at, you know, the likes of the Grateful Dead or bands like that that used to improvise for minutes and minutes over the one fish song. Fish or Dave Matthews. Fish, all that kind of thing. Where one song becomes an hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we're at the amphitheater. I'm like, to my wife, I'm going to go get a beer, go to the bathroom. I come back an hour later. And they're, they're still, still playing, playing yeah. that song. Yeah. yeah. What uh, are they on? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And there's a huge part of that in bluegrass, the kind of jam bands. And it's not, it's, not, it's not a thing in Irish music. So I suppose what we do try to do sometimes is uh, bring that jam band element into Irish tunes and Irish songs. So Jig Jam eventually has made sense to, to describe us. Yeah. We have Jamie, Dahi, and Gavin in studio. Not pictured is the fourth member of the band, Kevin Buckley, who is from St. Louis. Okay, how did he wedge his way in, Dahi? How did, how did we get a St. Louis guy as part of the band? Yeah, we were playing here in McGurk's for a good few years, and we'd always, we always knew Kevin. He plays in McGurk's, too, with various lineups and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we just... He started filling in uh, for us for our other fiddle player now and again, and uh, eventually we tied him in and forced him to to join the band. <laughs> so he'll so hit the road band. with you guys as well? Yeah. He yeah. could be your American tour guide, right? He yeah, exactly. Yeah. And where are we going on this tour? What stops? Uh, we're starting in St. Paul or Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, we have Wisconsin. We have... We're heading down for an Irish fest in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then we head over to the East Coast. So we have New York, Boston, uh, Connecticut, 
some stuff in Pennsylvania, and then we start working our way back and finishing St. Louis. Well, they might like you a lot in Boston. I think There's so. A little yeah. bit <laughs> Irish over there. Um, and who are my guys? Oh, I just blanked on it. Um, Oh, Dropkick Murphys. Do you oh, like yeah. the Dropkick Murphys? Yeah. Uh, Are they kind of an Americanized? They'd be an Americanized Irish Irish kind of Celtic rock or whatever you want to call it, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I suppose if I'm in the right mood. They're a little a little on the rowdy side, I would they say, are, as yeah. well. Yeah. What they're, about, they're, let, let's talk St. Louis, since you guys have been living here and, and immersed in our community what, for all three of you. What do you like about it? What are, where do you hang out? What have you gotten used to around here? Um... I like the cult. I like the sports culture here, which I, I never thought I'd get interested in watching hockey until I came here. Uh, I really enjoy that. Um, the baseball, I like. I like the camaraderie of it. I suppose I'd probably prefer the hockey as a sport. Um, but I like the way everyone really rolls in with the the teams. Do you know it's very passionate, which is something I enjoy. It's something that you'd see at home with our own sports. Uh, and I suppose the other thing about St. Louis is the, it's the music culture. You know, we we would see musicians and and gigs here that we wouldn't get in Ireland. You know, there's even Ke- our friend Kevin. Kevin Buckley does a, a gig on on a Monday night in Yaki's on Cherokee Street, and sometimes it can be like Western swing or jazz or hillbilly jazz. He calls it. We just wouldn't see that in Ireland, and stuff like that is quite cool, which I like to you know have at our disposal that we can go on hang out on a day off and, and listen to music like that. So it's a pretty lively music scene. And I, you know what? I hear this from people who are not from St. Louis, whether they're big shot CEOs or whether they just moved here for an entry-level job, they say, oh, you guys have this park and then you have this neighborhood. And, and the people that are from here are like, ah, I don't know, we're a dying city. Oh, it's all falling apart. Like, it's weird. A lot of times it does take an outside perspective. Mm. And it's always I love hearing it from you. And a lot of the soccer players – on City SC, our MLS team, talk about the food scene. And some of them are from New York. I said, what? And like, yeah, you got a great food. I'm like, we do? So I appreciate you guys telling us that. This is good for the Tourism Bureau. Uh, and Gavin, who hasn't spoken much here, how about your input here? on What do you like about being in St. Louis? Um, yeah, the music scene is great. There's great food. The people are very friendly. Um, that we found out in the music scene. Um, then even like in Cherokee, there's like, there's stuff like even this morning where the, there's a good gym there. Um, so yeah, like I mean, everything you want is kind of catered for, really. Would you got you got to get up and work off the Tullamore Dew. <laughs> yeah. So Do people in Ireland travel all over? Like, as people here will say, okay, I've been uh, over to Dingle and I made it to Kinsale. But when I go back, I'm going north if that's allowed, and I'm gonna I gotta hit Galway. I gotta go to Wexford or whatever. How about if you live there? Do you travel the country much? Ah, you do, yeah. The country's so small that, like, an hour gets you to Dublin from Tullamore and an hour and a half will get you to Galway. We have a good train system and buses and everything for people that maybe aren't driving or whatever, but you can get around the country. Like, it's not, it's it's so small, I don't know what state you could relate it to, but, like, Missouri, you could fit a couple of Ireland's inside in Missouri, I'd say. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, mo- most people have kind of done the rounds, you know, seen as many of the, the hot spots as, as possible. I was at a bar in Galway, and I ordered a uh, Bushmills. And the lady said, friend of the north. I said, I'm sorry. She said, friend of the north. And she said, that'll be a Jameson you're having. And I said, okay. So I don't know if it's still like that, but overall they're very friendly, except when you order a Bushmills in the wrong place. Galway feels like a place you guys could kill it too. It's kind of got a college town vibe, doesn't it? 
yeah, it's yeah. a very artistic t- town. There's great music and culture there. Uh, in fact, it's you know seaside town as well. Um, yeah, they love their arts. Take a walk down Shop Street, the main pedestrianised street there. You'll see lots of great buskers and everything, and there's always stuff to watch and see. So the band is Jig Jam, and the website is jigjam.ie. They're playing McGurk's through this Saturday, then they're going out on the road. They'll be back off-Broadway on March 29th. We've had Jamie, Gavin, Dahi, Kevin Buckley in spirit. Uh, before we go to this break here, why don't you guys play Can you play us out, as they say, whatever you guys prefer, whatever you uh, close out with. or whatever. We've got a banjo, we've got a guitar, and then we've got, is that a fiddle? Uh, mandolin. Mandolin. Yeah. Boy, I flunked that one. That was terrible. <laughs> guys, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, thanks a million. Us. Thanks for having us. A lot of fun. Just love uh, the Irish vibe, and all. I've loved the music. So we'll let you guys play as we hit the break. Yeah, we're gonna uh, just introduce this one, just so you know. But uh, we wrote this song about McGurk's itself. Just recently released it as a single, and we did a, a music video as well, which is all live online. So it's called John D. McGurk's "The Heartbeat of Saint Louis." One, two, three. It's a sunny day in Sula, and I'm feeling like a beer. Johnny D just down the road, I know I'll get one there. Well, to know my drink with friendly smile and perfect harmony. It's the heartbeat of the good old St. Louis. It's St. Louis. St. Louis. St. Louis. Well, we get lucky on the weekends, and it's good for you and me. It's John D. Bound to set you free It's the heartbeat of a good old St. Louis Take a stroll down Russell Boulevard On a Sunday afternoon The Cardinals are singing And the blues will be there soon We got Irish songs and bluegrass tunes In Lucky Symphony It's the heartbeat of a good old St. Louis It's St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis It's the heartbeat of a good old St. Louis. We got musical legends on the wall, but they don't speak a word. A couple of whiskeys later, and they all sing like a bird. We got pickers from Texas, honey, going here in the misery. It's the heartbeat of a good old St. Louis. It's St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis. Well, we get lucky on the weekends, and it's good for you and me. It's John D. McGurk's, it's bound to set you free. It's the heartbeat of a good old St.
And right now we're going to talk some basketball on the show. Coach Z is with us. Rich Zavosik, part of our coverage every year with Arch Madness, Valley Coverage. We're talking basketball. The former coach, who when you look him up online, it's like, you know, basketball coach, um, author, sure, telly award-winning actor. I don't know. How how would you like to be introduced, Z? I'm a renaissance man. I do a little bit of everything. This is fair. All right, Renaissance man, Coach Zavosik with us. Let's start with the Valley. I think we knew Drake was going to be good. They're 14-3 and three right now. Indiana State got themselves ranked. I know they stumbled a little bit after that. Uh, but 14-3, and three, how surprised should we be with the Sycamores? Very surprised. I think uh, what Coach Schertz has done is, is simply amazing. He's, he's managed to develop the players that he, that he inherited, Jason Kent, has been taking another step. He's one of the leading rebounders and a terrific three-point shooter for him, Julian Perry at the point. And then he's mixed in other guys. He's mixed in, you know, Isaiah Swope and and maybe the, the best player in the conference, and obviously people at Drake would argue about this, but um, Robbie uh, Avila, who has been uh, tremendous uh, the whole season. Yeah, shades of Kurt Rambis, right? A player who's got the goggles on. Like, you and I are old enough to remember Kurt Rambis. I love the goggles on the guy. And, and you know what, what's even better? He, he does, too. It's like he, he throws that front and center. Like, hey, this is who I am. I love the rec specs. I'm going to play with them. And if I play well enough, everybody will start wearing the rec specs. Anybody surprise you? Bradley's got 11 wins. Carbondale's sitting at 10. Is it about, other than Indiana State, surprising? Uh, anybody in a good or bad way that caught you off guard? You know, Southern Illinois, I think, has been the surprise to me. I mean, you lose two starters in in uh, Jones and Damask, who transferred to Big Ten schools. Damask starting at, at Illinois and, and Jones starting at, at Purdue. And you don't miss a beat. I mean, Xavier Johnson, another guy who, who could be the player of the year. He's number two in the country in scoring, um, has just done an unbelievable job in, in running that offense. And, you know, Brian, Coach, Coach Mullins has done a, an unbelievable job. Defense still the cornerstone, but he figures out a way to, to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. I have not been to all of the Valley stops. Which place is, is most – like a pit, like you go there and like, oh my gosh, it's cozy. It's a tough place to go and win. You know, regardless of how good the team is, you're in. Is there one place that's kind of known for that? Well, I, I would say, you know, this year Indiana State obviously their their successes has brought their fans out in droves. Drake, who has a 20 game home win streak currently, is a very very tough place to play since Darren DeVries has gotten there. But to me, it might be Carbondale. I mean, when Southern Illinois gets their swim team in their Speedos standing behind the basket, talk about distraction. <laughs> Holy cow. He just painted a visual. That's what Coach did for us. Rich Zavosik, <laughs> he'll be on the call with us when the uh, Valley returns to St. Louis. They just extended that long term. It just makes sense, doesn't it? We had the commissioner, Jeff Jackson, on a couple of weeks ago, and I think all of these particular schools just – it. They like coming to St. Louis. I couldn't see this tournament being anywhere else. I can't either. It, it's it's a tradition unlike no other. I, I know I'm stealing Jim Nance's line <laughs> from the match, but it, it is very applicable here. I mean, when you talk about 
you know, families and of, you know, alumni who plan their reunions and their spring breaks around coming to St. Louis for the tournament. I mean, that's, that's just an unbelievable atmosphere. All right, you were a head coach in the game and had a good run at UMKC among your stops. Could Coach Zavosik survive mentally right now with what's going on in the game? You think you could handle the NIL and the portal and all of this? It it seems like it's as upside down as it's ever been. It, it really is. I mean, the, the ability for players to transfer at the drop of a hat um, has changed the game almost as much as NIL. Um, truthfully, I mean, when a guy can play at four different schools, it makes it a little tougher to coach because, you know, you, all of a sudden you're trying to coach him hard and critiquing him. And uh, if he doesn't understand that you have his best interest at heart, you know, he's going to go find another place to play, somebody who may be a little bit easier. Um, you know, that's that's why I respect a guy like Jason Kent. Um, a guy like Connor Hickman at Bradley um, or Darius Hanna might be a better example at, at Bradley, a guy who, you know, came in as a raw talent, you know, could block shots, but has stayed there and has developed his game. And now he's, he's a capable offensive guy. And, you know, to me, that's what makes uh, the Missouri Valley Conference special. And NIL, I feel like maybe more so at schools like the Valley, not these you know massive programs, but NIL was supposed to be name, image, likeness. You get on a campus, you play well, and maybe the local car dealer wants you to make an appearance. You know, maybe you could sign some jerseys and sell them. Things that kids probably should have always been able to do. It was a little too restrictive, but now you hear kids are getting recruited with a, a checkbook and. It, do you think they can fix this? Because NIL is now being used to entice kids to go to a school as opposed to being on campus and using your name, image, and likeness. And that's the problem. It's it's being used as an enticement. And it's – I don't know if they can. Um, you know, the genie is out of the bottle, so to speak. But, you know, it it still comes back to, you know, you got to figure out who fits your system – who fits your style of coaching? Um, but that being said, hey, if, if uh, you know, I think I heard Mike Boynton from Oklahoma State uh, made the comment the other day. He said, you know, when he recruited Cade Cunningham, he recruited him for four years. He says now nobody recruits a kid for four years because it's just a matter of, okay, how much are you going to offer? And I know now legally you're not supposed to be able to offer, but you know, we know we know that happens. And you know, think, uh, go ahead. I was going to say one possible rule could be that you cannot um, capitalize on your name, image, and likeness until you're there for a year or a semester. Even it's it's not so. Then it's not as much of an enticement of money coming in the door to get you there. You know who's been sounding off is Rick Pitino. Nobody's going to feel sorry for him, and maybe they don't even want him to weigh in on the financial aspects because he's made a lot of money. But I do think I think he's trying to take the bullet for everybody else and say, I can do this. I don't care what they say about me. And he said maybe there should be a salary cap. But do you even get the sense that he is trying to be the lead voice on – Not I know he's ripping his team. That's a separate topic. But in terms of the money and the kids, it just seems to me like – He's got the juice to say it, and there's nothing left that they can do to him. 
Yeah, I don't know. I go both back, back and forth with with some of his comments because the truth of the matter is they they've paid a lot of kids a lot of money to build their roster this year for him. So um, to, to some degree, it's a little disingenuous. However, I, I'm not going to throw the baby out with bathwater because I think he does have some good ideas. Um, you know, the salary cap idea makes sense. I don't know how you orchestrate that necessarily. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it was him or, or somebody else who made the comment, okay, if we're going to talk about revenue sharing with student athletes, then, okay, everything runs through the conference and each school, you know, and I'm just talking basketball now, not, not football, but each, each school gets $2 million or a million dollars to spend on NIL that we'll take out of their 30 or 35 million or 40 million TV distribution. And then it makes everything even again. You know, I mean, then it's back to, you know, back to when I coached where you offer a kid a scholarship and that's all you could offer them. So I think that could be a step in the right direction. The problem is, is you got too many lawyers who have a hand in the pot and they, they don't. I don't think they would be happy with that idea. Yeah, there's too much money out there. I, I again, I, you're right. The genie's out of the bottle. And whenever I say, "Well, who's going to fix it?" Well, NCAA. Everybody kind of rolls their eyes. Well, okay, Congress. And then people roll their eyes. I don't know that we have a solution that everybody gets excited about. I, all right, I've had Coach Z. We've talked in the past. We've had games together. I've never asked him about the book, so I have to ask the title. <laughs> is Birds, Dogs, and Kangaroos, Life on the Back Roads of Basketball, if I'm getting that correct. Tell folks listening here about Coach Z's book. So, in a nutshell, if you read it, um, it will make you laugh, it'll make you cry, and at the very end, it'll make you wonder why. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is... Did you mean to uh, Coach, did you mean to rhyme there? Because that was pretty good. I, I just that kind of just came to me, actually. But um, you know, it it's one of those things that I'll go back to the title: birds, dogs, and kangaroos are basically the mascots of the different teams I coached. I coached at eleven different schools over the years, and it, it's you know kind of gives people an inside look of what it's like for the majority of college coaches as opposed to, you know, if you're Mike Krzyzewski at Duke or Bill Self at Kansas, I mean, it's different for them. For example, they they get a driver who drives them to the airport. They get on a private plane. They go watch a kid play. They have a nice steak dinner. And then they, they're back to the airport. They get on a private plane. They fly home. When you're at a place like UMKC, um, forget about private planes. Forget about planes for the moment. Um, you know, I, I'll give you an example. My last week of recruiting as a college basketball coach, I drove from Kansas City to Poplar Bluff to see a young man playing in the JUCO regional tournament. He won. I drove home on that Friday. Then I drove to Wichita on Saturday to see the Kansas regional and drove home. And then on Sunday, I drove back to Poplar Bluff um, to see the same kid who had won on Friday. So, if you want to be a college basketball coach, uh, 
Well, it's easier now because you can put it all, everything into your phone with a GPS. <laughs> back back in our day, Martin, we we had the uh, Atlas. Rand Mc- you, had, you probably had a Rand McNally sitting in your lap. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I think what I share in the book is is kind of a, an inside look of this is what happens at a you know mid major or low major school. And that's before podcasts where you could sit in the car and listen to stuff for hours and hours and hours and listen to Top 40 Radio and whatnot. Coach Z, always fun to catch up. Rich Zavosik, part of our coverage of Arch Madness. We are exactly two weeks away from the coverage here on KTRS. The uh, coach, the author, and the Telly Award-winning actor with us. Coach Z, thanks so much for hopping on. Uh, Thanks, Martin. Enjoyed it. Look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Altair Travel, one of our great sponsors. And one of the great travel agencies throughout this region, more than 40 years now, they've been helping folks with all their travel needs, whether it's a wedding plan, beach vacation, a cruise, family get-together, honeymoon, maybe for business, or you want to put together some business incentives, they can handle all of it, domestic and international, all your travel needs, one spot, it's all terror travel. They've been in Brentwood for years. They're right next to OB Clark's. You can call and set up an appointment, and if you do that, Tell them you heard about the beautiful meeting space called the living room. Such a cool place to sit down and map out your trip. 968-9600 is the number to call. 314-968-9600 or altertravel.com when you're going to a trip that you've been thinking about forever. Don't want to be surprised when you show up. Sure, it looked great online. And then you get there and say, wait a minute, this, this is not at all what they were talking about. When you call Altair Travel, there are more than 50 plus travel specialist at your disposal so you will not be shocked or surprised when you get off the plane make sure your trip is the best it can be call altair travel or go online altairtravel.com